0: Welcome to the Indisposable Podcast, produced by Upstream and supported this season by Patagonia. I'm your host, Brookine Gatewood. Thanks for joining for another episode celebrating solutions to plastic pollution. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Indisposable Podcast. This is Brooking, and I am here today with Anthony Rossi, who is the Vice President of Business Development for TerraCycle. TerraCycle is in the business of recycling, but this last year, they have taken on a bold new initiative working with businesses around the globe to develop a reusable products pilot called Loop. Loop. So today, Anthony, who as the BizDev VP for TerraCycle is deeply involved in this ambitious and exciting project, is going to share with us a little bit about Loop. Anthony, thanks so much for joining us.
1: My pleasure. Thank you for having me, Brooke.
0: All right. Um, so first of all, just tell us a little about how this idea got started. Where did the spark come from and, and how did it first get going?
1: I I think that to start, we're very blessed at TerraCycle to have an innovative and um, inspirational leader in Tom Zaki, whose head is full of amazing ideas. But what's interesting is that all his ideas really relate to TerraCycle's mission as a company, and that is to eliminate the idea of waste. Mm -hmm. And we've been doing that now for 16 years. And if you look at our business today, you can really segregate it into three buckets. The first is making products and packaging that otherwise would not be municipally recyclable. How do we as a company make that recyclable? And that's been the pillar of our business that, that is the largest, that has been around the longest. And that's where we set up privatized collections to recycle products such as oral care waste to cigarette butts. So we've been doing that for a while and and as our company grew we had a second pillar which is all around taking that post-consumer recycled material and working with our partners and stakeholders to integrate that either back into their packaging or into other ancillary products alleviating the need to use virgin plastic and i i promise that i do have a point here and that is <laughs> A couple of years ago, Tom was at the World Economic Forum um, with Procter & Gamble announcing the launch of our head and shoulder ocean plastic bottle. And there was a lot of, of chatter. There were a lot of uh, sessions at the World Economic Forum around post-consumer recycled material and recyclability and compostability. And I think he started to think, is that the best we can do? And for us and for Tom, even if all products and packaging are recyclable municipally. And even if all those products are made from recycled material, which we're very, very far away, uh, from that, that's not the best we can do because we're still living in a disposable linear society. Mm -hmm. So that's where the idea for loop started. It's how do we, instead of putting a bandaid on a cut, and then that's really what is the waste management industry. It's trying to stop the bleeding. How do we get to the source? How do we stop plastics from ending up in landfills, ending up in oceans to begin with? And that, that is Loop. What Loop really is at its core is a platform that enables, you know, companies like a Procter and or Unilever, Danon, and retailers like a Carrefour or a Tesco to move from a linear supply chain to a more circular and durable supply chain.
0: Yeah. And for our listeners who might not be familiar with those terms, so a linear supply chain, there's the idea of a resource or an input, then we use it, and then it turns into waste. And then circular basically says there's no such thing as waste, right? And that anything that we would consider a waste product is actually an input into some other part of the economy. Am I getting that right?
1: Yeah, I think so. For me, actually, the the new CEO of Unilever said it quite well, Alan Jope. He said, the linear economy, it's, it's a culture of take. So we're taking natural resources, make, making new things from that, and then dispose. And that's the chain that we have to break. And that's, you know, for us where circularity, reusability um, truly is going to be the answer moving forward.
0: Awesome. So, yeah, so this Loop pilot, you're working with major global brands. I believe the pilot is launching pretty soon here in spring 2019. Tell us a little bit about where you're at in the process and what's been what have been some of the most exciting elements so far.
1: Mm -hmm. So for us, we've started this process with the brands uh, over two years ago now. So we've been working with these brands to create packaging and to create a supply chain that can enter into, into the Loop platform. What's, what's nice is that we just went live in both Paris and New York, where select consumers in each of those markets are starting to, to order these products through the Loop platform. So for us, it's been a long period of development, and and you can imagine that the shift into circularity had a lot of moving pieces, and there were a lot of heavy lifting to get it launched. Mm -hmm. Uh, But what's really exciting for us and for our partners is that we're finally going live. Consumers are going to be able to say, this is what we like, this is what we don't like, and we'll start to get real feedback on the platform. And that's a really important point of time uh, for us, because we want to make sure that loop operates flawlessly and second that consumers enjoy the experience. Mm.
0: So the pilots run in Paris and New York. How long are the pilots running?
1: So the pilots don't have a, a set end date. What I would say is they're pilots in the fact that they're not open to everybody. So we we have a set number of participants that can participate in the pilot. So 5000 households Participate in the Paris area and 5,000 in the tri state area that I mentioned earlier. When the pilot ends, is, is as we continue to grow. So for us, we want to grow that 5,000 over time. And what's really interesting is that with Loop, we are also going to be partnering with retailers. So I mentioned Carrefour in France, Tesco in the UK, here in the United States, it's with Kroger and with Walgreens we are going to embed the loop engine, if you may, how it works, into these retailers' existing supply chain, and that is going to allow us to get to more people to participate. So I know that's a long-winded answer, but uh, for us, the pilot hopefully will mature into something that is larger in scale. That timeline hasn't been defined yet, but it's as quickly as possible.
0: Mm. Yeah. It's so exciting. Um, So, you know, our average listener at some point in the next, I don't know, number of years, there's a chance you could go to your local grocery store and be able to participate in this reuse system. So tell us a little bit more, you know, imagining that future where it's at, at some point at grocery stores everywhere. What does it actually look like for people to engage as consumers in the loop process?
1: We hope that it's gonna be a very pleasant process. Uh, I'm gonna use Carrefour as an example because Carrefour is probably the furthest along of all of our retail partners. So by the end of 2019, a consumer will be able to order Loop products through Carrefour's e-commerce site uh, where they will be able to go on to carrefour.fr, they can find the Loop store, they would fill up their cart with all the products that are available. At that point in time, I think it's safe to say we'll have anywhere from 200 to 300 different products available. And once their cart is full, the consumer will check out. Their order will be delivered directly to their door in a durable, reusable tote bag that we have created together with Carrefour. Consumers will take out their products. They'll use their products just like they do today. Uh, Behavior change starts when the product is empty. Instead of putting it in the recycling bin, instead of putting it in the garbage, you're going to put it back into that very same tote that it was delivered to you in. When you're ready to send that back, you can organize a pickup through our courier in France. They'll come to your door, pick up the tote, send it back to us at Loop. We will scan it in and for every empty product that you have sent back as a consumer, we're automatically going to refill that order for you. Mm. So it's subscription-based, but not subscription-based on time. It's subscription-based on demand. And not only are you going to get that new product, it's important to note that the package that you get is not necessarily going to be the same bottle that you had just sent back. It might be my bottle that I had sent back six weeks ago that has been cleaned, sanitized, refilled by our partners, and re-entered inventory
0: mm-hmm. and what if you use a product and decide you don't want to use it again can you still send the canister back or or is it the system only work for the refills
1: no you can absolutely send it back and again this is where in our pilot we want to perfect the consumer Experience mm-hmm. and what we've seen so far is that some consumers may not want to order that product again. So, when you are setting up that courier pickup, you can see all the products that you have in your cart, and you will have the opportunity to select: yes, I want this replenished, or no, I do not. So, only those products that you want replenished will be get sent will be sent back to you. Excuse me.
0: This sounds very convenient, which is exciting. <laughs>
1: That's part of the goal, right? I think at the end of the day, and this is a learning from TerraCycle being in the sustainability space for so many years, I feel as though when you give the mass populace the option between convenience and sustainability, except for the select few of us who will always do the right environmental thing no matter what, most people choose convenience over sustainability. Mm -hmm. So that was really important to us as we built this platform is how can the most sustainable option also be the most convenient option? Because we feel like when we've achieved that, that's where we will get mass adoption.
0: Yeah. And tell us, uh, yeah, go ahead.
1: I was going to say for us, it's not about having a select few people, um, part uh, engaging in sustainability perfectly we want billions of people engaging in sustainability imperfectly Mm -hmm. that's where we're going to have kind of the most impact
0: yeah so tell us a little bit about the corporate partners and how how did you guys get so many major corporations to participate in this and you know what were their initial reactions and some of the challenges to getting them on board
1: it was it was quite challenging because you can imagine we're knocking on on some of the largest companies in the world's door and asking them to change everything that they do. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's no easy feat. What I would say, the reason why Loop is what it is today and we didn't tackle Loop 10 years ago was we've spent the last 10 years working with these brands and these companies, building trust and understanding how we can work together. Mm -hmm. So for us, it wasn't about knocking on a cold door we knew these people procter and gamble and unilever and Danone, and mars and clorox they've been TerraCycle partners for upwards of a decade so for us it was how do we build our sustainable footprint together and here's a journey that we want to take you on and a lot of them were receptive to that because they know in in working together for so long that we need to move in this direction so i think Having a history with all of these brands, having the trust that we know how to, to bring this to market in a way that makes sense for their business was a huge part of convincing these brands to at least try. Mm. And I, I do want to take this time to say that it's not only big brands. You know, we have very small brands. As well, That may be startups, that may be three, five people working in an incredibly small factory or office, and, and they can participate in Loop as well. And that's really exciting for us because, again, at the end of the day, we want widespread consumer adoption and consumers want choice. So having that mix of large and small was really important. And, and we have both represented in Loop.
0: Yeah. I'm curious, um, you know, both with your big and small partners, what have you found were the most effective motivators to get participation? I know major companies have corporate responsibility departments and they have existing targets on other areas and the plastic pollution is a little bit of a newer conversation in the space. So I'm curious to hear a little bit about, you know, where you really found the incentives were most aligned to to get buy-in and commitment in this experiment.
1: I think you touched on something that's very important. A lot of these companies over the last couple of years have made large commitments towards sustainability and a lot of them are working on those commitments. Now, what was interesting about loop is it is an option that is available today. So it met a lot of their corporate endeavors and it's a project that they can launch now. It's not something that they need to wait until 2025 or 2030 to start and roll out to consumers. You know, like I said, it's it's live now in a select few markets, but it's, it's something that they can test, they can learn from. So I think that was important um, as well. What I would also say is when you think of reusability, in general, I feel as though the imagery that comes to mind is, is dry goods in a big container and you're filling it up with generic packaging. So in loop, if, if you've seen any of the images, if you've seen any of the packages that exist that are out there, you can tell that is a Pantene bottle. That is a hagen dazs ice cream package. That is a Nivea aftershave. So the idea that a brand can engage in reusability and still maintain their competitive advantage, still maintain the equity that they've built up over 100 years when it comes to a brand like Nivea, I think that was also important as well. Mm. Um, Yeah,
0: the the branding of the packaging, I imagine, is a design hurdle that you've had to work with along the way to figure out how to reuse and rebrand the same containers.
1: Yeah, so if you look at Loop, the brands have taken it upon themselves to create a durable container that is their shape. It is their colors. It has their logo on it. Um, So we really encouraged our brands to be creative because at the end of the day, it's the brand's packaging. Mm -hmm. So they have the right to dictate what that design looks like for us at loop, where we really played a, a key role in the design of this packaging is can we design into durability Right? When you get a Hagen dazs ice cream container, it's gonna be used perhaps 50 times and it's not gonna look brand new. So how do we work with our brand partners to plan into that? And most importantly, can we design and create packaging that can be easily cleaned and sanitized? Because I, I always use this ludicrous example of a crystal swan, right? If a brand came to us and said, we have this idea for a loop and our package is gonna be a crystal swan. For us, we're gonna raise a few flags. The first is crystal as a as a, as a material is quite brittle. So it's gonna be susceptible to cracking and breakage over time. It doesn't meet the durability that we want with loop. The second is the shape, right? Crystal, uh, swan, sorry, has a long neck. So again, when you're looking at breakage, you're looking at transportation, it's gonna be susceptible. So that's where we would guide our partners to create something that's a little bit more durable a little bit more practical and then third cleanability again the neck and and the idea of a swan there are so many small corners and curves that in order to clean that sanitize that to the specifications that we need to meet both for our brand partners or any agencies regulatory agencies like the fda if it's a food product we're not going to be able to clean something that complex so there's a lot of thought that goes into creating these durable containers
0: Mm. yeah i'd i'm curious to hear if there were other um, design challenges or just you know i'm sure you've had some logistical hurdles you've had to work through to get this off the ground what were some of the most rich and interesting challenges you faced along the way so far (laughs)
1: <laughs> there were there were a lot, uh, <laughs> as you could imagine. The one that comes to mind um, quite a bit, and I would say, has been common no matter what the brand is, large or small, or what type of packaging they're they're deciding to use. Labeling, labeling is is, is something that we have to work on with our partners a lot
0: you mean like stickers labeling stickers or? well
1: it doesn't have to be stickers right a lot of our partners are either embossing their logo directly into their package they could be digitally printing directly on the package what types of ink are they using right because mm-hmm. again if you're thinking about labeling and you're thinking about printing we want something that can be permanent and durable so the types of ink that you're selecting is it uv Is it ceramic based things, which is incredibly durable when you print that it's incredibly susceptible to scratching and and wearing down because at the end of the day, you can imagine if you're a regulatory uh, lawyer at one of these big companies, you can't have safety information that's half faded or rubbed off because that. Is, is encroaching upon uh, safety concerns. Mm-hmm. Um, so labeling is, is one that, that we pay special attention to. And, and there are a lot of workarounds. We have things that are very permanent. But if we're talking about an ingredient uh, that could be changed, if we're talking about a date code or ex- expiration date, um, those need to be kind of changed quickly. So there are a lot of labeling considerations when putting your packaging into the platform.
0: Interesting. And what are some things that you've been particularly proud of in the process so
1: far? Oh, um, the fact that we're, we're up and running and have this live uh, within two years of the inception of the idea, I think is a testament to, to our team, but also our brand teams who have moved so, so quickly. Like turning a big ship at, at a big global conglomerate um, is is not an easy task to do, yet we have some really exciting packages that consumers can purchase today. Mm. So I think that's the first thing is just the speed that everybody moved with. Again, we wanted to make sure that this was an option today, not five or 10 years down the road. So that's one. The second is just seeing people within these companies get excited about their packaging. You know, for so many years, if you're a packaging engineer and you're listening to this podcast, you can probably relate to the fact that when packaging is a cost of good, right? It's it's something that when you as as a consumer buy a water bottle today, you are the owner of that water bottle. And for the company making the water of the water bottle, the packaging is a cost of good that they pass on to you. There's a lot of downward pricing pressure. You know, this year you may have 50 cents, next year you have 40 and down and down and down. And a packaging engineer has to create packaging for a very limited budget. With Loop, we gave our partners $3, $5 to create something really cool. And packaging no longer was treated as a cost of good that how cheap can we make it? It was how can we really create a package that is beautiful and gonna delight the consumer? So the first thing for me is, is seeing uh, Loop consumers open up their tote and pick up and, and look at this packaging and really be delighted by it. I think that's really exciting about Loop, and it's very different than, you know, the single-use equivalent that's on shelf today.
0: Yeah, that's a great point, like the the artistry of the packaging in and of itself, and I think you see that a lot in some of the more—I live in Los Angeles, there's, you know— a farmer's market kind of scene where people really pay a lot of artistic attention to the way that cosmetics and other things are packaged. So it it is exciting to see that coming into the mainstream goods space as well.
1: Mm -hmm. And again, if you're a consumer and you just like convenience and you're delighted by nice packaging, you're going to be attracted to Loop. It's not just that hardcore sustainability or green fanatic. It it really is everybody, yeah. And and the fact that we've created an option where it's it's a convenient option and we're autopiloting consumers into behaving sustainably, I think that's going to be really groundbreaking. And if we look back five, ten years from now, I hope that's something that we were able to prove with Loop that sustainability doesn't have to be difficult, doesn't require consumer sacrifice.
0: Yeah. I'm so excited about this talking to you. I really, I really do hope that you guys have tremendous success and that it, it changes the game. Um, for our listeners who are also really excited about this, is there anything that you know, your, aver- your average listener who doesn't live in New York or Paris can do to support this initiative and to help show their interest to, to help the pilot spread faster? Any- anything that your average person could do?
1: Um, I think share your excitement. If, if this is something that you want to bring to your city, you know, follow Loop Store on social media. Follow Ma Boutique Loop if you're in France. And again, it's, it's Loop here in the United States. Follow our brand partners who have uh, engaged with Loop and let them know, I want to bring this to my city, if it's Kansas City or Miami or wherever, because that's, that's how we're going to expand this. Um, the more that these large companies see that consumers want this, that is what's going to force them to bring it to more and more people in more and more cities. Um, they're just not gonna do it on their own whim. So, you know, as a consumer, every time you you purchase a product, you're really voting for that product with your dollars and you're showing the manufacturer of the product that you like that and you wanna keep buying it. You can't do that with Loop if you're not in the areas where we're launching. But, but be vocal and let people know that you want this here. Um, and, and again, you know, as you, you introduced me, you said that my role is in sales. If you have brands that you love to use and they're not in Loop, let them know. You know we've had probably a dozen partners who proactively reached out to us after we made the announcement that Loop was coming in, in January of this year. And they, they reached out to their brands and said, I want you to be a part of this because I love your product, but and I want you in this platform. And they proactively reached out to us and said, hey, how do we get involved because our consumers want this? So it, it sounds cliched, but everybody's voice is important and, and you can really influence change by being vocal.
0: Yeah, it really is true. Well, thank you so much, Anthony, for speaking with us and also for everything you personally are doing. I imagine it's been at times stressful and very busy for you, but uh, it sounds like you're really hopefully getting to be a part of a truly historic effort here and your whole team. So kudos and thanks for speaking with us.
1: Thank you so much for those kind words. It's been an enormous amount of work, but it's been so fun. And the fact that that we we are doing something positive for the planet and having fun and having an impact at the same time, you know, um, we, we couldn't be more thrilled.
0: Awesome. All right. Good luck.
1: Thank you so <laughs> much, Brookings.
0: And that's our show. If you like what you're hearing, help spread the word. Subscribe to the Indisposable podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Add a review. Talk us up. Try our five friend challenge. Share some highlights from today's show with a handful of people in your life who could use an uplift. Nobody spreads a message like you. The Indisposable Podcast is brought to you by Upstream, sparking innovative solutions to plastic pollution, envisioning a world without it, and empowering businesses, communities, and individuals to imagine and co-create this future with us. You can find resources mentioned on today's episode as well as learn more about Upstream's work at www.upstreamsolutions.org. Follow us on social, support us on Patreon, and join the movement. There's a better way than throwaway.